Hi, and welcome to the Be Happy, Be Brilliant podcast with myself, Rodolfo Young. From a U.S. Army Special Operations soldier to spending two years in meditative silence, I'm now reaching a million people around the world sharing deep insights, practical wisdom, and mindsets to cultivate happiness and success. Enjoy the podcast and be sure to share the conversation to keep the ripple flowing. We're here today for a heart talk on making decisions. Making decisions, and this is a really interesting one. As we were talking about it earlier, it's something that a lot of people have difficulty with. Because I think decision, the word even decision, we haven't defined. We have options, we have choices, we have decisions. There's reasons that there's different words for each of them. Options is all the things that might be laid out for you. You might walk into a, a department store or a grocery store and you have all sorts of options, right? And then you might choose one of those things and you might go up and start looking at it and looking at the details. And at some point when you actually grab it off the shelf, you go and you pay for it, you invest in it, that's a decision. You guys see some of the differences? <coughs> so with a decision, we have to start to define that a little bit more. It's not just that you make an investment, that's one side of it, but actually it's a commitment. So rather than using the word investment, I like the word commitment that we commit to a choice. And even more subtly than that, we commit to a possibility. This is where it's really interesting. You hear people like Tony Robbins always saying stuff like, if you make a decision, I that was my best Tony. If you make a decision, <laughs> right? If you make a decision, as soon as you do that, then things start to line up. Everything becomes focused. You, you have far more chance of success when you really make a decision. Now, this means that you are not saying, oh, yeah, maybe, I think, okay, I'll put like one foot in there. Right? I see people do that with relationships a lot. Have <laughs> right? you ever asked somebody if they're like starting off in a relationship they've been in for maybe a few months? And you're like, yeah, so how's it going? Like, I don't know, we're just seeing how it goes. Okay, that's one foot's in there. The other foot's like, well, maybe if something better comes along, or if this doesn't work, if I'm uncomfortable. That's not a decision. You chose something, but you didn't decide on it. And that's the thing is, if you haven't decided on something, then there's something else that you are deciding on or focusing your attention on. And most of the time, that's your fears, your doubts, your insecurities. How's this landing for you guys so far? Right? By the way, whenever I do these hard talks, I always try to come from a, a blindside angle, somewhere we haven't really looked at before. So. If you have projects or if you have things that you've been wanting to do in life or maybe a, a fitness goal or a financial goal, you're like, well, I don't know why it's just not working. Like, I, I really try. I'm, I'm trying these different programs and this and that and whatever. How many of you have bought programs online or books and they're on your shelf and you've never read them and you've never done them? <laughs> Me too. I'm guilty, right? <laughs> this means you made a choice but not a decision. You didn't commit to it. And as I said a moment ago, two things. The commitment is a commitment to the possibility. And when you're not really deciding or committing, it means that there's something else you're giving energy to. And if those insecurities and fears are there, then this is what's happening. For instance, let's say you have a financial goal. You want to make $1,000 more a month, or you want to make a million dollars by the end of the year, whatever it is. And you start thinking to yourself, okay, yeah, that would be amazing. And you have the fantasy of what it's like. And you're like, ooh, yeah. And then you're like, okay, what do I have to do? And you start looking at some of the stuff, and you're like, well, I'm not smart enough for that, or oh, I'm too old for that, or I don't have the skills for that. Insecurities, fears, stories. And then you don't commit. Because one of those stories, actually the common denominator of all those stories, is something that says, I am not possible for this, or this is not possible for me. Possibility hasn't been committed to. That's why I keep saying a decision is to commit to the possibility. Because until you do that, then how are you expecting that it's going to work? That makes sense. I'll give you guys a little metaphor, an image for it. Imagine that you're floating in a boat, middle of the ocean. There's no land around. Then you, maybe you see some land and you're like, yes, that's the land I want to get to. So you're choosing it. And you start to, to paddle. <laughs> You've got the oars there and you're starting to paddle. That's not working. You're like, oh, I need a little bit more force. So then you get the motor on you. You're still not going anywhere. 
Ever had this where you saw something you wanted, you chose it, but no matter how hard you're trying, no matter how much you're doing, you don't feel like you're getting closer. It feels like you're stuck, but that's because there's an anchor. That anchor is your fears and your insecurities. You haven't fully committed over here because you're like, yeah, but if, if I bring up the anchor and, I, and let's say I don't get there, then I might just wander aimlessly. Okay, you're not committing to the possibility. Bring up the anchor. That means there's a little risk. The anchors are past, our history, our conditioning, and here's the key word, our familiarity. A decision is always a fork in the road. You're standing here and you're looking forward and you're trying to figure out where am I going next? Should I go this way or should I go that way? And the fear is if I go this way and I start taking a few steps, am I going to regret it? Am I going to think, oh, I really should have done that other thing or I should have taken that other thing or said yes to that other thing. Hmm. I'm going to give you guys a little secret right now. I call this one of my ninja strategies. Whatcha? If you guys hear me say ninja strategy, you can join me in one of those. You'll hear it in all my heart talks. You sometimes will see it on my videos, things like that. You just join in, even if you're by yourself in your room. You're like, ooh, what's that? So here's the strategy. You're at the fork in the road. You're trying to figure out which way to go. Maybe you do take a choice and you start to walk down the path and then you have doubt or regret. And you're thinking, oh, I really should have done the other one. Here's the secret. The other one doesn't exist anymore. You moved forward in life. We haven't figured out time travel yet. So you can't go back to that choice point. You can't go back to that decision anymore. The other option does not exist except in the illusion of your mind. And I'm going to add to that. The possibility still exists though. But it's forward on the path you're on now. You guys get that? The options that we say no to or that we choose against, they disappear as soon as we do that and we take a step forward, we commit into something. But it doesn't mean the possibility is gone. It just means that if it's going to come up later as an alignment or something you draw in or attract, it'll be later in your future on that path, forward, not backwards. This helps with making a decision. Because when you realize that no matter what, you're always moving forward and that's the only place that reality goes is forward, then you're not going to be so afraid to make the choices and decisions that take you a step forward. Yeah. What about if I'm afraid making a decision at all and I'm just freeze? Mm -hmm. But that's what we're talking about today, right? Is the fear of making that decision or thinking that we might make the wrong decision. What's the only reason that you wouldn't feel comfortable making a decision? Okay, regret. Why would you regret, regret it? Wasting time mm -hmm. with the decision I, I made. Maybe it's the wrong one. There, you just said the word. Because you think it might be the wrong one. That's the only reason we ever doubt decisions. Is when there's a voice in our head that goes, what if this is the wrong decision? Mm -hmm. Or which one is the better? Ah, okay, sure, sure. One might That's... not be but one might be Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk to both of those okay. those things. Thank you for that. I think I understood that decisions, no matter which one you do, this is just experience in your yes. life. So this yeah. is not good and not bad. This is experience, and that that is always nice because mm -hmm. even if it's, you feel bad, so you can learn something from yes. it. Yes. So exactly. It really helps. <laughs> Did everybody hear her? She said, "No matter what, any decision you make." you're going to get feedback from. You're still moving forward regardless. You're going to get feedback and that helps you clarify the next step and the next decisions and the next choices. Right? So I think the key in being a secret to making decisions is realize no matter what, you're going to go forward. It's like you're, um, I don't know if it's in, in like casinos or something, you have these penny things that are pushing off. You know, do you know what I'm talking about? These are like old school things. And so this is life. It's constantly pushing you towards an edge of the future. It's constantly doing that. And what are we doing? We're like, who's the familiarity of the past? No, no, no. Ah. Wouldn't you rather be facing forward at what you're going towards and then maybe you can leap into it? Make it your choice, your own decision? Hmm. 
But see, again, this familiarity, this thing, and we want the familiar because we have control over the familiar. What we know, we're like, ah, okay, I know that. Even if it's not serving us sometimes. We're like, yes, but at least I know it. And so I have control. And so I'm gonna, I want to keep hold of that. But the problem is we can only have familiarity of the past. The future, moving forward, which regardless of what you do or don't do, you're going to move forward. That's the reality of things. That's often in the unknown. And that can be a little scary. And that's where the insecurity is just a moment. That's where regret and doubt and all these other things come in because since it's unknown, now the fear of, ooh, I might do the wrong thing. Or maybe if I waited a little longer, something better would come along. Hmm. But here's, I'll, I'll address first this idea of maybe there's something better. There is never something better. There's only something else. And what makes it better is how you cultivate it. I'll use a, a phrase many of you already know and I'll change it around a little. You know the idea of the grass is greener on the other side? Now, the grass is greener where you water it. Right? I'm, I'm stealing that from a meme I saw. Right? <laughs> the grass is greener where you water it, meaning nothing is ever better, only cultivated. Have you ever been in traffic and you're like, ah, oh, everybody's moving over there, why aren't I moving over here? That's better. <laughs> Right? So it's about cultivation. It's about developing where you're at. That's what actually makes things better. And that's the growth. Now that's where we come to the right or wrong. There is no wrong choice. As you said, there is feedback. You make a choice and you go, ah, I see. I could have done this instead. Well, now do it. It gives you the clarity of what's working and not working for you as an alignment and a match, not as a it's the right or the wrong. Right? right and wrong has to do with our identities. It has to do with who we think we are. And that's why it really scares us to make decisions where we think we might be wrong. Not because we do it and we might have wasted a little bit of time, but more so because we're like, ooh, people might judge me. Ooh, I'm, I might judge me. Because we're tying it to identity. So as you look to make decisions, instead of trying to figure out what's the perfect decision, Decide what's the most aligned decision for you in this moment. And it'd be really easy. It's almost like, you know, I'm talking about that you're moving forward. Lean into it. And as you lean into it, you're just going to fall and your foot's going to land somewhere. That's your decision. Now be 100% committed to that momentum. And as you do, you'll start to notice with each decision, with each step, you get more clarity. With every clarity, you start to understand what's more of a match and an alignment. And your decisions become so easy. You had a question earlier. Do you still have it? Is the familiarity you're speaking of, is that similar to our comfort zone? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the familiarity is our comfort zone. I'll explain a little bit why familiarity or comfort zone is such an important thing and such a strong driver in our, I guess, human nature. It's because it allows us to survive. From a biological evolutionary standpoint, our brains developed in a way that said, let me look around for any dangers or threats. Let me look around for what might cause me not to go on and focus on that. And then anytime that you've done something and you've remained alive, then it goes, okay, that's familiar. We're still alive now, so that's safe. So we'll keep it. And so this is what our brain is doing. Now, unfortunately, our brains aren't naturally conditioned to look for the joys and the happiness in life because that's not a threat. You know, like, oh my God, a present. Oh my God, people smiling. Oh my God, a compliment. You're not doing that, right? But your mind is going, what if they don't like me? What if they judge me? What if they insult me? And so it's looking for the threats to our identity, to our physicality, to our emotions. But once we know that, and we can ask a really simple question. This is a beautiful, beautiful question. Is, am I safe right now? Am I safe right now? And so let's say you're at that decision point. And a lot of times people will be at a decision point and they don't feel safe. They feel under duress, stress, forced, coercion, influence, conditioning, all sorts of different things. And they're like, I have to make a decision or I'll lose the house, or I have to make a decision, or they'll leave me, or I have to make a decision, right? Hmm. 
Ask yourself in that moment, because have to connotates a need. A need is associated to survival. Now, if in that moment, you not making that choice, or you rushing into it, or all these different things, if you could pause for a moment and not do it, and still survive, there's no have to, there's no need. You want something. And the beauty of the wants is you can want many things and you can go towards those, get the feedback, and find out what's next. But we often go from a place of avoidance rather than desire. We're moving towards things, not actually towards them, but actually running from what we think is chasing us. And that's those dangers of the past. But we're starting to talk about how a decision point always means that there's some unknown in front of us. And how do we deal with the unknown? Hmm. So, a lot of people will define the unknown as, as, or fear, as being the unknown, right? I like to say that fear is not the unknown, but it's rather the unknown that you think you know. Fear is the unknown that you think you know. I'll explain. Do you ever, when you're afraid of something, are you really there thinking like, I just don't know what it is? Or are you, what if it's this? What if it's that? What if this happens? And so you've projected a possibility, and that possibility came from the dangers of your past, the things that threatened you before. Hmm. And so now you start putting all that in front of you, and you think that what's in front of you is scary, or chasing you because your focus is on it. So you're going to have to do something, and this is another ninja strategy. Whatcha? Oh yeah, we're going to do that one more time. Ninja strategy. Whatcha? That was better. All right. Can you repeat that again? I'm sorry. I, I didn't have time to get my... Fear is the... Fear is... We think fear is the unknown. But it's actually the unknown that we think we know. The unknown that we think The unknown that we think we know. Right? Say more about that. Yeah. So, it's because we're projecting something into the future. We never... When we're afraid, it's not ever just open-ended. We're not ever like oh, I just have no clue what might happen and, and that makes me afraid. That normally makes us curious. There's a very big difference. Curiosity is a powerful, powerful tool, a positive tool. Hi, welcome. But fear is one that limits us because it says, oh, it could be this and if it's this, then I want to do this. Right? And that's where we go back into our comfort zone. Now, here's the ninja strategy. What's that? Oh, yeah, you're just getting there. Okay, I call it the Michael Jackson move. All right. Most of us, as I was saying, we're, we're looking at our past, we're looking at our familiarity, the comfort zone, and mostly we're looking at the things about that that we're avoiding. Now, that might also be the things that were great. We're avoiding losing it. Right? And so we're looking at avoidance. And over here is desire. It's all these beautiful things in our future that we want that we have to make decisions for. We need to decide to go that way. So the first decision we have to make is to turn around. This is why I call it the Michael Jackson move. You're over here and you're just like, hee hee. You just turn it, make it fun, right? And go towards your future. But as we've been talking about, there's this unknown part, and it's right in the middle. And so instead of going all the way, you're like, hee ah! <laughs> You get stuck. You get stuck right in the present moment. Because in that, right here, it's like known, possibly projected known. I have no clue what's going on. And because you're there, you go like this, oh, just go back to what I know. <laughs> and you start repeating patterns and doing the same things, making the same decisions that got you the same results. Hmm. So I'm going to invite you guys to this idea of step into the unknown. And like I said, there's a tool that you can use. It's curiosity. And curiosity is to say, I don't know, not with a fear, but with excitement. I mean, I truly believe that those three words right after I love you, are some of the most powerful words. Oh, I don't know. Because now, whole possibility of what it could be. You open up the world to yourself. Hmm. And so as we make a decision, instead of trying to plan it all out and figure out, okay, what's every possible outcome just in case, and I can be prepared for this, and I can be prepared for that, and this, and this, and that. Oh, yes, okay, it'll work exactly to my plan. You take a step, you're like, oh, the plan is gone. Because that's what always happens, right? Hmm. Most of the time, because you waited so long that the alignment of that choice also passed. Hmm. 
It's as if you were a frog jumping from lily pad to lily pad. And you saw two lily pads and you're standing on one and you're like, which one am I going to go to? Which one am I going to go? Which one? And maybe you waited so long, your lily pad just sunk. Or you finally were like, okay, I'm going to go. But both of those other lily pads floated away. So we have to make decisions quick. Again, not from duress, not from stress, not from influence or conditioning, but quick in the moment it feels aligned, which is normally it's an inspiration moment. When an idea comes to you, you're like, oh, you know, I, I would really love to go to Rodolfo's Heart Talk. And you're sitting in the last class at Akaroga, maybe. <laughs> and if your mind gets in the way for just a moment, even like five seconds, hmm. There's a woman named Mel Robbins. She wrote a book called The Five Second Rule. And it's all about this, right? If even for five seconds, the mind goes, wait a second, you're hesitating. Why are you hesitating? You didn't hesitate when you tied your shoelaces, you brushed your teeth, you showered this morning, you didn't hesitate, we're alive. You're hesitating now. This must be dangerous. Don't go. And so this is why when the inspiration is there, just take a step. It doesn't mean you have to like dive in head first. But take a step. Because when you do that, you gain a little confidence in the decision you made. And then in that moment, there'll be a new inspiration out of the alignment and clarity that comes up and you take another step. And you take another step and all of a sudden you'll find yourself running and the confidence is building the whole time, which is why you start noticing things really quick. How many of you drive a motorbike here? Or about half, it's funny, all on this side. I wonder what that says. <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird. So for those of you who drive a motorbike or even if just you're a passenger on a motorbike, Probably the first few times you went out on the road in the chaos that's the roads here. You were like, right? You were very hesitant, just slowly going in, testing the waters, right? But then as you started to understand how it flows, you started to understand the decisions people are making and why they make it. You understand that dogs and other things can jump out. And so you're watching them like from a mile away. You're like, I see you, <laughs> right? And you start gaining confidence in that experience. I love what you said, that experience gives you the feedback of clarity, right? You start gaining confidence and all of a sudden you're whipping along because you're like, oh, I'm prepared. Hmm. Decisions become easier to make when you're more prepared out of experience, not prepared out of planning. I'm going to say that again. When you're more prepared because of experience, not because of planning, so decisions are easier when you're more prepared out of experience, not from planning. Planning is all mental. We're up here in our heads. And what can the mind do? It can only look reflectively. It can only look backwards. It's not looking forwards in a presence and awareness to see what's actually there. That'd be like you're on the motorbike looking backwards. You're just looking in your rearview mirror. Okay, I see what's happened. I'm going to expect that that same exact thing is going to happen in my future. Hmm. Instead of just looking forward. Are you just saying that because you want me to do the move again? Okay, so the Michael Jackson move. That whole idea of moving from aversion, our past, towards our future and desire. This is key. Like if you, any of my heart talks, actually, you'll, you'll hear me talk about a few different things of certain philosophies and principles that I live by. One of the biggest ones is to help people turn from what they're avoiding towards what they want. Whenever I work with private coaching clients, one of the first questions that I ask is, what do you want? And immediately they'll start going, oh, well, I, I, I want to stop suffering and I don't want heartbreak and I, I don't want to be poor anymore and I don't want this. I'm like, okay, great. That's all the things you're avoiding. What do you want? <laughs> it's a difficult question. People will pause there and they're like, oh, what do I want? And eventually they might say something like, I, I don't know. And I'm like, BS, belief system. You do know what you want, you just don't know you have permission to have it. I'm going to say that again. We all know what we want. We just don't know we have permission to have it. That's big. That also goes back into decisions. Those insecurities and doubts and fears that come up often are because we're thinking, oh, I'm not worthy of that thing that I want to go after. But I really want it, so I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep fantasizing about it. I'm going to be envious and jealous of everyone else who has it. But I'm not going to take the step towards it. I can't decide and commit 100% to the possibility because I don't believe it's possible for me. Hmm. 
See, it all ties together, right? So we have to start to check in, see what's really motivating us. Is it avoidance or is it desire? And now how do we shift that? How do we allow ourselves to realize that we can actually go towards what we want? Well, the first thing is what I was talking about earlier. That if we're focused on avoidance, often it's because we think something's chasing us. This threat that we have made up in our minds because of our history, we think is trying to get to us. But the only reason it stays pacing us like a shadow is because we keep it in our focus. And Can you say more about that? Like, we mm -hmm. don't think things are chasing us, yeah. but what do we think is chasing yeah. us? Like, it's the story we have about it. And so this story makes us focus on it. And also, again, it's focus. So if you're, whatever you're focused on, you've heard this, right? What you focus on is what persists. Same as if what you resist is what persists. It's the same as you're avoiding something and then it persists. Well, why? Does it just mean like that? Is the world and reality just like spiteful? No, it's psychology. Whatever you tell your brain is significant, it goes, oh, that's significant? Let me look for it. Let me keep my eyes open for it. And if you're constantly saying, that threat is significant, that threat is significant, that thing I'm afraid of is significant, I want to avoid that, it's significant, then your mind is going, okay, I will keep my eyes open for every single example of that. And then you keep seeing it and you think, you see, it's chasing me. It's all around me. It's yourself doing it. So there has to be a decision point that says, I'm going to turn away from what I have known towards what I don't know and in that, learn through the experience that maybe there is a different way. So I mentioned I have certain philosophies and pillars that I always talk about in these talks. The other ones, these are my main ones. I call it the APE approach. It's acceptance, permission, expression. Acceptance, permission, expression. If you go to my Instagram at the very bottom of the feed, it has three little posts on that and each one explained. But I'll give you a little brief on it. Acceptance, permission, expression. We've already been talking a little bit about each of them. Acceptance, unlike what most people see acceptance as, where they think, oh, you just have to be okay with something. Like, we're in conscious community here, and something terrible is going on. You go to your friends, and your friends are like, yeah, you just got to accept it. You're like, why? Right? No, that's tolerance. There's a difference. Acceptance and tolerance are very different. Just being okay with something, even though you're not okay with it, is tolerance. Acceptance is to recognize the reality for what it is. Recognize reality for what it is in that moment. Don't make any story, don't interpret it, just see it for what it really is. And there's an amazing, most magical thing that happens when you do that. Now you have something tangible to work with. Before, all you had was stories, whether they were fearful stories or fantasy stories. You just had stories. It's like walking on clouds. You can't get your footing. As soon as you accept the reality of what truly is, recognize it for what it is, whether you like it or not, doesn't matter, but recognize it, now you can do something with it. And that's where we go to the next step. So you have acceptance, and that kind of creates your home base. And then from there, you move, and you move over into permission. Actually, let me, I'm going to come back to acceptance for a moment because I want to give you guys an example of what I mean by home base. How many of you have ever bought something from Amazon or, you know, Tokopedia, things like that here? Right. So when you go online, you're looking for, you normally have some idea what you're looking for. And you start looking through, and maybe you're looking for a self-help book. And it's called uh, How to Become a More Positive Person. I have it in my backpack. And you're looking for it, and you're like, yes, if I could just, oh, there it is, by Rodolfo Young. You find it, it's also on Kindle. And you're like, okay, yes, I'm going to get that. And so you, you make the choice. You're quasi in the decision, which is the full commitment. And it goes over to the, we'll call it the review page, because that's normally what happens, right? There's a moment of review that it checks to make sure you made the right choice and it's not. Now that in life, you want to pass through quickly because you don't want to hesitate too long. But once you've done that, then there's the investment page. That's you guys showing up right now. In life, as long as you're committed to making moves forward in your personal development, your growth, that's you investing. It's the last page that's the hardest. Shipping address. <laughs> Your shipping address.
Because if you haven't accepted the reality of where you're at, and you're like, no, no, I'm over here, or I'm this great person, or I'm this terrible person, and you haven't just said, I'm this person here, then all the resources and everything that you're asking for, you're ordering from the universe or from Amazon, doesn't know where to be sent. That makes sense? So that's why acceptance is so important because it, it gives a home address. It says, this is where I'm at for any support and clarity and stepping from. Hmm. All right, so then you move over to permission. And permission, permission is this place of possibility and this is where we come into decisions. For me, permission means allowing for change. Allowing for change. Not pushing, forcing, controlling change, allowing for change. That's why it's a permission, you permit it. And all you have to do to allow for change is two things. You have to be willing to change <laughs> and to see the possibilities, to see that it's actually possible. Right? So that's normally the second question I'll ask my coaching clients. Once they get over their whole, I'm avoiding this, and they figure out something they want, and they go, yeah, but I can't have that. Why not? Is it possible to have that? Well, yeah, other people have it. I see it all the time. Okay, is it possible for you to have that? Well, I don't know. And that's where maybe the insecurities and fear would come up. And I go, if it was any other random person, do you think it would be possible for them? No matter how heinous of a past or thing or things they've done, would it be possible? Well, yeah, I think so. Why is it not possible for you? Are you worse than that? Right? And that's where people laugh because they're like, oh. Oh, why have I been stopping myself? Most of the time because we're waiting for the approval outside. We're waiting for somebody else to give the permission, to stamp us as worthy. But that's not anybody else's job. That's your job. I have a quote somewhere, I think on Instagram, that says something like, you know, deciding what your self-worth is, is simply by defining it. Deciding what your self-worth is, is simply by defining it. By the way, I said earlier that we might go into some of the valleys, the emotions, and if we do for anybody, because I see some, there are tissues over there in the back. <laughs> I come prepared. So then you start to allow for change, you permit it to happen, and here's the beauty. The only way that really you allow something like that is if you feel safe. If you start to feel a little more confidence in yourself, and in that safety, the defensive walls, the barriers you've been putting up all your life, they start to come down gently. Because you start to realize that maybe the reasons you put them up, those moments, those experiences, that history that you were avoiding so much isn't chasing you, isn't really a threat right now, and you can let some of the walls down. I'll give you guys a little bit of an example there, how we build up these walls. You know, from our early childhood, from zero to seven is where we have our most formative conditioning years. It's the hardwiring of our brains. And unfortunately, during that time, at that stage of our development in the brain, we don't know anything but ourselves, which means everything that's happening outside of us, we think is because of us. That makes sense? So a parent leaves the room, oh, I'm not worthy, they've abandoned me. And we take that in. And when they left the room, it scared us so much, we took a brick and we were like, I'm going to start building a wall of safety. And then they came back and we were like, whew, but we don't move the, wall, the, the brick. We leave the brick there just in case because we also made an identity. We're like, well, they left once and it must have been because of me. And so I'll keep the brick there in case it happens again. And then it, another event happens and another event. And as you grow up, you're putting brick after brick. You're making these 12-foot walls and then electric fences and then moats and alligators. <laughs> and you've got dragons flying by. You know, it sounds like I'm being excessive, but if you've ever been on like the subway in New York, you know the people I'm talking about. You like nudge them, they're like, Argh! right? So we get all these defenses. And all of them are there to try to protect a piece of ourselves that we still saw as innocent, as pure, as good. But then we do something funny. We flip the script. Because the thing that we're trying to protect, we're like, well, that's the part that I want people to think of me as, though. I want people to think that I'm pure and good and innocent and a good person. So I'm going to paint that on my outermost wall. I'll put that here as a facade, a nice mask. And that's what I'll let people connect to, and I will not let them see this other stuff that I am afraid of, I'm shameful of. 
Hmm. This is where that whole self-worth and I'm not enough and stuff like that comes up. I'll say something very uh, counterintuitive. You aren't enough. Not because of who you are. If you were 100% of who you are, the math is there. You're enough. It's 100%. It's easy. But you're not 100%. Because every single brick that you put into the walls and defenses and barriers was a piece of you. And so now the piece you're looking back at is like 10, 15%. And you look at that and you're like, well, that's not enough. And because it's the stuff you don't want anybody to see, the things you don't feel worthy about, you're like, and I'm not worthy. So we have to start to shift that and realize that it's not about breaking down the walls. It's not about becoming better. It's not about fixing anything. It's about integrating ourselves back to a whole being. Do you guys get that? Maybe that's the one decision I, I really I invite you guys to do before you leave this room today is to decide 100% commitment to the possibility that you can integrate back to being a whole being. To integrate back to being a whole being. And that just means to start to take back those pieces that got dropped off in different traumatic moments. By the way, trauma doesn't always have to be negative. It can be the most beautiful moment and it had an impact. That's a trauma to the self because you put an anchor, there's gravity in it. And so you get to start to shift where the gravity is. Shift it towards your future. Shift it towards the things you want. Decide that's more important than reliving your past. I'm going to say that again. Decide that the future you want is more important than the past you've been avoiding. That sounds like a no-brainer, right? But again, when I'm working with clients, I see this time and time again. And with, even in my own processes or with my partner, or with my friends, somebody will say, yeah, I know I've got this, this challenge and I want to move forward. I want to do this and this is what's stopping me. And then whoever's helping you or talking through with you, they'll, they'll be like, ah, well, have you considered? No. Well, do you think it's no? And they resist every other possibility than the one they're familiar with. That's you fighting for your past. Instead of just saying, ah, let me decide for my future. Any moment that you're at that fork and you're looking towards that future, trying to make a decision towards the things you want in life. And that voice comes up and goes, ah, oh, yeah, but for this reason you can't. Okay, acknowledge it and then go, and I decide I'm going to anyway. Because that was in your past. You couldn't then. Maybe you can now. Possibility. The moment you see that possibility, then move towards it. No hesitation. Now here's the beauty of it. We had acceptance, right? From acceptance, you got present to where you're at, the reality of recognizing it. And then from that, you started to feel safe because you realized that there wasn't actually a threat there. When you get real about what's going on in this moment and you realize that you're not about to be run over or eaten by a saber-toothed tiger or something like that, where your life is not actually being threatened, you feel a little safer. Some of the bricks come out of the wall. You start to integrate. As you integrate, you feel more whole, more confident, stronger. And as you feel that and you continue to bring these walls down, another magical thing happens. You get seen. Because you've had all these walls and these masks up, nobody could see who you really were. And all of a sudden they do. And even if it's not your 100% whole yet, those who might see you at that level that you're progressing in, they'll be like, ooh, can I offer some help? Now you're not alone. How many of you have belonging or abandonment issues? I think there's more of you, right? At some level, we, almost all of us have a fear of being left, of being alone, right? This is why nobody wants to be lonely. All, everybody wants to be in some form of connection or relationship. Probably because that also leads to survival. It's better survival in the species. <laughs> Especially the species. You can't do anything without at least two, right? <laughs> Things end. But, I digress. When you start to realize that, and then you are seen and witnessed in something, two things happen. One, you're not alone anymore, so that fear can go, whoop, you just got even more confident and strong and whole. And two, 
you have the possibility to grow at an exponential rate because you are doing it not alone, but with two or three or four or five people helping you along the way. Coming back to all of this being about making decisions. You had a question? We'll go there first. I had a question, but maybe at the point where you think it's the right time. Can you give me some intel or some ideas how to get the bricks back? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How to get That's a good what? question. The, the, bricks the bricks back. In the wall, how to get them back to included? Yeah. 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 We'll go there now. So the question is, how do we get those bricks back, integrate them, embody them within ourselves? This is called assimilation, right? For the most part, what we do as human beings, something traumatic happens. We have a shock to the system in some form. And whereas most other animals in nature, they have a shock and the first thing they do is they're like, right? And they get it out. And then they go on with their life. They don't hold it. And we as human beings, we stub our toe and we're like, Put it right here, lock it away for later. We'll just hold it right there, yeah, that'll be good. Right? And we do that again because we're storing it for a future possibility that we might need to know what happened. We've been lied to, by the way. People have told us in our childhood, you need to know your history so you can learn from your mistakes. No! You need to know your future and not make the same mistakes. You'll have already learned because of the consequences of your history. But if you stay focused on it and focus on what you're trying to avoid, you'll bring it again in the future. You made it significant. Right? So the first thing is not to hold on to things, right? So these bricks are moments of our history that we're holding on to and trying to be prepared for. Now, I love this line. People have asked me before, like, well, how do you stop, how, how do you stop holding on? And I go, you just let go. <laughs> let it go. And people are like, do you need to throw it? Do you need to break it? Do you need to dissect it and figure out what's in the brick? No, you just you let it go. <laughs> Here's a great example. In, uh, in jungle regions such as here in Bali and in Indonesia, the way that they catch monkeys, they take a coconut, they hollow it out a little bit, and they put a sweet treat inside. Now the hole that they've made, and then they, they tie the coconut to a tree. Now the hole that they've made is big enough for the monkey to put its hand in like this with a closed hand, and then it grabs the sweet treat. And you can get its hand out. Now here's the thing with attachment. Now, the hunter, whoever wants to catch the monkey, comes walking up nice and slow, casual, doesn't have to sneak up or anything, because the monkey's like, ah, ah, will not let go. We do the same thing in life. We want freedom, we want liberation, we want uh, joy and happiness and health and all these other things, but we have held on to, and unfortunately it's not even a sweet treat, the majority of things we're holding on to, traumas and histories and things we don't want again. Hmm. Stories of our mind. So let it go, which means again, we go back to the possibility. Whenever we talk about letting go, one of the, the best ways to look at it, instead of just saying, let go, because that leaves it very open-ended, right? It's like, let go, and then what? Then I have nothing. Ah! Let go into. Just add into. Let go into. There's always something next. There's always some place for yourself. There's always a new feeling that can be there. Let go into. If you've had a great loss in the past, Okay, letting go of it, you might think, oh, but I have so much identity and maybe so much love for a person that I've lost or all these things, and you think, I, I can't just let go. You can let go into your future. So yeah, a few specific tools of how we reintegrate all those things. First step, make sure you feel safe. So just ask yourself, am I safe right now? Am I safe right now? I say right now because our minds are so tricky. We'd be like, am I safe? Well, yeah, in this moment, but I walk out the door. I don't know what's gonna happen. Coconut follow me. <laughs> so am I safe right now? And if you have the time, the luxury to ask yourself that question, I can guarantee you're safe right now. Because if you're not safe right now, you don't have time to ask questions. 
right? So you ask that question, that calms the nervous system down. You go from the fight or flight amygdala, right? The reptilian brain, you come out of it because you're not under threat anymore. And the moment you're not in that part of the brain, then you come to the frontal cortex here and you have creativity, problem solving, capacity. From there, you can start to do other things. Actually makes me think, it's interesting. We look at our history and our history is about reactions that we've had, or there is only reaction that can come from a, a comparison to history. That's why it's a repeating of an action, right? And that means that in order to actually move forward, we have to be in this forward part of our brain, in the creative, imaginative part. If we're in fight or flight, we're just going to repeat stuff. That's the only thing we can. So that's the first step. Know that you're safe. Second step, know that there's possibility. And that's where you start to allow for different ways, different techniques, different tools, different doors, paths. And to do that is this key word again, curiosity. Be curious. Hmm. Yeah. You said such a brick in our wall is the story of the past which mm -hmm. we put there. So if we not look at it, how can we integrate it? Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. Yeah. yeah, so his question was, if we have a brick and it's, of, it's something of the past, right? And this brick is there, and if we don't look at it, if we're just taking it and trying to integrate it and not get invested in it, right, then how do, we, how do we clear it? How do we do something? This is where we need to know a little bit more of the structure of that brick. So, something happens in your past. Maybe you're crossing the road, you almost get hit. <gasps> Whole body gets a shock, there's a trauma. And the event has passed, right? It's not, you're not in reality constantly having a car almost hit you. Right? So now what is it? It's a story. It's a story in your head. The event is gone, now the story is in your head. And the story carries with it a sensation that was the contraction of your body. So now you have story and sensation, story and sensation. And it goes this loop back and forth. And that's what creates this nice little brick. So you don't need to relive the event because it's done, it's gone. Feel the sensation. And just with curiosity, notice it go. The moment we give it another story, back in the loop. Make sense? The loop is sto story sensation. Exactly. The loop is story sensation. Like, they reconfirm each other. Ooh, I have a sensation. Oh, it's because of this story. Uh, now I have the sensation again because I identified the story. So if you don't identify the story, and you just become curious of the sensation, then it comes up and it goes through. Right? I'll use emotion as a good example. Emotion is the energy of a sensation. In movement, movement, motion, it's trying to move through you, but because of the story, you trap it. Now it's not moving anymore. And we have stuck emotions, right? They're blocked. And if we go in and we try to figure out the story, we get all these different ideas about it, and we say, oh, it was because of a past life of this and that, and that happened, and that's why I said, possibly, but again, the past life is in your past. The only thing that's real in this moment now is the sensation. So focus on that. Become very, very, very curious about the sensation. And just watch as it comes up. And then it is in motion because sensation just wants to pass through. It's like a wave in the ocean. And whoosh, now it goes. And another one's going to be right behind it because we've been collecting for a long time. Right? But there's this also, we have that learning process that happens, and I should learn from that experience, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But if I just let it go, can I still learn from it? Yeah. Yeah, so then we have, great questions, Tom. So, he's going to keep you guys here all day. This is good. So, yes, we, we want to learn from our history. We want to learn from the things that are going on, right? But we don't want to focus on our history. So, here's the difference. We have the mental landscape, what can happen up here, and that becomes a reference library. Then we have the emotional, and then we have the physical. The emotional is the part that we want to be moving all the time. You don't want to be stuck in an emotion. It's a charge. So what often happens is we stay in the charge because we keep the story instead of the lesson. Something happens, makes us angry. We're like, oh, that happened because that person did this or because I failed at that. Oh, I'm so angry. 
And so as long as we have a reference to look at and we're like, it's because of that, then we're always going to repeat the feeling and the sensation and we'll be, keep being angry. But if instead we go, ah, I was triggered by this thing and it caused me to be angry. Now I feel angry. Okay, now I can acknowledge that might make me angry. Put it in the reference library. Let go of the charge. Stop being angry about it. <laughs> There's no use to it anymore. And then let it pass. This is the trick. So yeah, you can still learn from it, but learn from an uncharged space. If you think of something from your history and you still feel a charge, maybe it's a self-judgment or judgment of another, then be curious. And this is the second question you can ask yourself. First one, am I safe right now? Second one, this is moving towards the possibilities. Am I certain of this? Am I certain of my story? This is a Byron Katie method. I love that you guys are recognizing all this, right? <laughs> Am I certain of this story? And most of the time, we can't be 100% certain. This is like, unless you're really omnipotent in, in, in all of time and you've seen every angle and perspective, you cannot be certain that your perspective of it is true. Then from there, the bricks start to fall apart and then as they're not all up in this big formation and stuck in the wall, you start to reintegrate them as the lessons. All right, so I think we're like way past the time. What, are, what time are we? Um, 5.09. 5.09, not too bad. Actually, that's about when we started, Ubud style. Okay, I'm gonna recap for everybody. I'm going to recap and summarize all of this. So we've been talking today about making decisions. And we looked at the idea that decisions aren't just these moments where we're like, oh, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that. But rather, they are saying yes with 100% commitment to the possibility of something. And while that sounds very easy, we as human beings in our unfortunate patterns of, of history and looking for familiarity in a comfort zone, we tend not to say yes to possibility. We only say yes to proven fact, <laughs> to historical conditioning, because it feels safer. It's known rather than unknown, and so the invitation I've given to all of you in making decisions that move you forward in life is to realize a few things. The first is that that's the only direction you can go, <laughs> is forward. That's the only direction you're gonna go there no matter what. So better to cut the tie of the history Drop the anchor and let yourself move forward. And then as you do, you're going to feel a momentum. That's an inspiration. And the moment you get that, there's a clarity. Take a step into it. And that gives you more clarity. Now, maybe the, the thought will come up of like, oh, but what if it's the wrong step? There is no right or wrong. That's an identity and a piece of your own mask. There is only forward and feedback and clarity. Experience. And from that experience, you gain confidence because you learn more about what's there. And you also learn more that you can step into the unknown and survive. And you can keep doing that and doing that. And all of a sudden, you're this daredevil of doing great leaps in your life. Making decisions not by calculating them mentally, but by feeling them from the heart, heart talk. And allowing yourself to move forward. And actually, instead of avoiding things, move towards the desires you have in life. So making decisions is actually pretty easy when you get all the roadblocks out of the way then it's just natural. Thank you, everybody. A big thank you for listening in today. You have been tuning in to the Be Happy, Be Brilliant podcast with myself, Rodolfo Young. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and that you'll share it with your friends and keep the heart ripple flowing. For more content and inspiration, you can visit www.rodolfoyoung.com.